When you know that you are queer, but your favorite drink is beer, that's gayish. You can bottom without stopping, but you can't stand going shopping, that's gayish. Oh, gayish, you're probably gayish. Well, life's just too short for narrow stereotypes, so it's gayish. We're also gayish. It's gayish with Mike and Kyle. Hello, everyone in the podcast universe. This is gayish. The podcast that asks for the serenity to fuck the men I cannot change, the courage to change the men I cannot fuck, and the wisdom to know the difference. <laughs> it's COVID. You can't fuck anybody, Kyle. Uh, but that's I'm, lovely. I'm just putting that into the world for the future. It's really just centering mental exercises around gay sex that I hope to come into fruition in the future. Mm, manifest that uh i'm mike johnson i'm kyle getz and we're here to bridge the gap between sexuality and actuality and today today we're gonna talk about sobriety yep it's only gonna last a week so we might as well do it at the beginning <laughs> of the year <laughs> yeah this is the uh, time when a lot of people have resolutions did we all agree just to not do resolutions this year because like yeah. just live okay but in in usual years, this is the time when people would say they're going to not drink and drink less. Yep. So we thought drinking would be a relevant topic. Quitters. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, we're going to have Davey Wavy on in a little bit. And that's because he apparently is like a teetotaler, which I think is interesting. A what? A teetotaler. That is an old timey term for somebody who does not drink. I've never heard that. I'm sure you have. You just forgot it. I really don't think I've heard <laughs> teetotaler. You're from Texas. Of course you have. I, I, okay, old man, how about, Mike. How about on the wagon, Kyle? Do you, are you, are you familiar I mean, with that? Usually off the wagon, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's not a very big wagon. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about sobriety and yeah. uh, Davey Wavy is going to be with us. But first, but first, we're going to do the news. Uh, only one news story this week. I wow. figured that I would give us all a little bit of a break, but it's going to be a really long news story because we're going to do every single one. This is from Pink News. Ten major Bitter LGBT beep, plus victories. News. Yeah. Ten major LGBT <laughs> plus victories that prove 2020 wasn't a total write-off. Oh, great. Here we go. Here we uh, go. Number one, marriage equality in Northern Ireland, Switzerland, and Costa Rica. So uh, all of those countries joined the growing list of countries where same-sex couples can legally marry. That's awesome. Welcome to the tent. <laughs> uh, number two, the movement against conversion therapy gained pace. Uh, Germany, the state of Virginia, and Mexico City all outlawed the torturous practice of conversion therapy for minors while the country of Albania implemented a full ban. And uh, just this month, or last month, hundreds of religious leaders joined calls for it to be banned worldwide to, quote, affirm and celebrate the dignity of all, independent of their sexuality, gender expression, and gender identity. Man, you're, try you're doing a positive thing. I'm, I'm going to try not to be negative. That's exciting. Yeah. And I have nothing more to say on the matter. <laughs> yeah. You, you, are you having problems like having the that horrific thing going away is like baseline neutral as opposed yeah. to like well it's like and when you get to like this state in this place or this city in this place like it's yeah. you know it's I, that's what has to happen to to move the needle and i get it yeah number three way less puppies got murdered i, I, <laughs> yeah, get, where, exactly. I get where you're going with this <laughs> exactly <Yeah. laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, number three the united kingdom got its first ever pansexual member of parliament the Liberal Democrat Member of Parliament, Layla Moran, came out as pan in an interview with Pink News. Uh, 
back in January, so a year ago, and she's the first UK parliamentarian ever to do so publicly. Damn, I didn't know we had Pan up in the up in the government now. I mean, they we don't, they do, but you know. Yeah, they they do in the UK. Um uh, she said, quote, pansexuality to me means it doesn't matter about the physical attributes of the person you fall in love with. It's about the person themselves. It doesn't matter if they're a man or a woman or gender nonconforming. It doesn't matter if they identify as gay or not. In the end, these are all things that don't matter. The thing that matters is the person and that you love them. Oh, I so disagree. But good. I'm so support. <laughs> I support her and pan people. The The person doesn't matter. It's all about the dick, baby. All right. Well. There's a Megan Trainer parody we do, <laughs> I'm sure. Um, uh, okay, number four, Gabon and Bhutan decriminalized homosexuality. This is another dead puppy one, I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the country of Gabon <laughs> in Central Africa and Bhutan in South Asia moved to decriminalize homosexuality, two landmark decisions that will transform the lives of their LGBT plus communities. Um, That's something I shouldn't downplay of like... Uh, you know, an entire, like, that is a big group of people that now, you know, doesn't have to face, like, criminal, like, that's huge. So, yeah, I shouldn't downplay that. Yep. And, yep. Uh, number five, the historic Supreme Court Title Seven ruling, which we talked about at length, but in the United States Supreme Court, there was a huge LGBT plus win. Uh, when the court ruled that people, uh, gay people, queer people are entitled to protection from discrimination based on their sexual orientation and gender identity. Um, so it is now the law in all 50 states. Number six, the Oscars, the Academy Awards. <laughs> they announced that as of 2024. OK, so it's goodness in the future, but we'll, we'll, <laughs> we're going to count it um, in September. The body that hands out Academy Awards announced that as of 2024, films hoping to qualify for the top Oscar will have to meet a set of off and on camera inclusion huh. that includes LGBT plus representation. So there are new standards that say you have to have queers involved if you want to win big, big want to win best picture. I thought you were going to say there's going to be a separate category for like the best straight actor, the best queer actor. <laughs> oh God. Can you imagine <laughs> like, can you like the recruitment possibilities alone for like, like, Hey, all we got to do is fuck. And then you could win in this other category. <laughs> Hot guy. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. Um, yeah. Uh, number seven, Donald Trump was defeated in the yeah. U S election. Um, The biggest victory of 2020 undeniably belonged to Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, followed closely by America's LGBT plus community, who will soon have a president that will fight for their rights instead of steadily chipping away at them. I I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Despite everything that he's still saying, (laughs) he lost the election. (laughs) I'm so worried, Kyle. I'm so worried for our country. Yeah, it'll be fine. It won't be fine. These fucking idiots I, will still be here well after the inauguration, no matter what happens. Like, yeah. how do we? Okay, we're doing a pot. This is positive. This is. This a... is I, I hate. <laughs> hey, yeah. Now it's your turn. Be happy. Everything's well. It's not great, but it's happy. We're happy. We're fucking great. happy, Mike. Great, 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 great. Uh, number eight: a rainbow wave of queer election wins. The U.S. election alone saw nearly 600 out candidates on the ballot this year. 
a record number that reflects stronger support for queer people among ordinary Americans. Dozens of fresh LGBT plus candidates won their races, including Oklahoma's Maury Turner, the very first non-binary state lawmaker in U.S. history. Um, and we talked about that at the time, yeah. but, but like it, it was a it, it was a really good a really good year for women and queer people uh, in the election, and we should we should celebrate that. The thing I like best about what you just said is referring to non-queer people as ordinary. Yeah. <laughs> Among the ordinary American. That's what we should start. So instead of being like heterosexuality is common, we should yeah. be like, it's ordinary. Yeah. <laughs> <gasps> oh, boy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow, you're straight. That's so interesting. Yeah, tell me more. <laughs> um, uh, number nine, Elliot Page came out as transgender. Yeah. Um, trans people everywhere gained an incredible role model when Hollywood A-lister Elliot Page don't came out as trans at the height <laughs> of his career. Uh, our friend Tuck at uh, the Gender Real, Real podcast made shirts that say Juno is trans canon, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which I really enjoy. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, yeah. Quote, I can't begin to express how remarkable it feels to finally love who I am enough to pursue my authentic self, he said. Mm. Or he wrote. He wrote. That was a tweet. Um, and lastly, number 10, the United Kingdom lifted restrictions on blood donations from gay and bisexual men. Uh, the UK finally reviewed its outdated restrictions and decided to allow sexually active gay and bisexual men to donate if they are monogamous. Previously, they could only donate if they remained abstinent for three months, a deferral period that had people had long argued was redundant, discriminatory, and in reinforced negative stereotypes. It, it just, like, the long argued the truth. Mm -hmm. the, 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 those things, are, that's just true. That's what was yeah. happening. Anyway, the new rules preserve uh, both the future of the nation's blood supply and bring the donations in line with the modern era. Great news all around. So that's it kyle good, 10 good news we can give you our blood here welcome and thanks like <laughs> yep yep nope, i'm positive i'm happy that's cool yep if you cut yourself murdering that puppy you can have queer blood put in you to <laughs> help you survive so happy so good so gay um man and that's it that's the news 2020 2020 you were awful but maybe just this i mean yeah but but the but queerness is unrelenting that's right. Um, well, speaking of queer people who are unrelenting at yeah. giving us money, um, I yeah, want to thank the following <laughs> Patreon members. Uh, Austin Miller. Uh, Joe. Just Joe. Just Joe. Uh, I bet he hates okay. being called Just Joe. I wonder if he gets that all the time. Um, uh, Bradley Hendricks and oh. Robert Thompson. Robert Thompson. Oh, we know that bitch. Hi. That's that's Artie Cruiser. So thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon. If you want episodes a day early and to get bonus content, go to patreon.com slash gayish podcast. Do it. Do it. It'll tickle me. <laughs> 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 oh man. Okay. Uh so do you want to talk about sobriety? Yeah, let's talk about sobriety. Hey Kyle. Hey Mike. I'm sober right now. I know. I th I thought it would be funny if we drank while we were talking about being sober, but I didn't. I didn't get my shit together enough to drink. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've I've White Claw left over that you pricks didn't drink oh, on New Year's Eve. So I try. I made a good, valiant effort, a, a yeah. good gay effort. That's um, true. Uh, can I tell you some gata? 
yeah, let's do the Gator. Um, and then and then we'll have uh, Davey Weeby on. But we talked about a little bit of this uh, already, but uh, this will be a, a refresher for those new or forgetful. Um, according to alcoholrehabguide.org, um, 5 to 10% of straight people, or as we now call them, ordinary people, uh, <laughs> have... Um, <laughs> Uh, a at least a moderate alcohol dependency, and that is compared to twenty five percent of LGBT people. Um, which that's a well, I mean, both those numbers are huge. Like one in ten. That's true. Straight people is has a moderate alcohol dependency. That's insane. Well, and let's let's let's. I okay. When I was a kid, it very much stuck in my head because I was worried about my parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles because we all, we all drink in my family. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, It very much stuck in my head that at least at the time we were educating school children with the knowledge that alcohol was not addictive, that, that it wasn't the same as heroin and, and cigarettes that like that you could get psychologically hooked on alcohol, but not chemically. Who knows if that's actually what they were telling me? <laughs> um, and, and I don't I don't know if any of that is is true or not. But it, so when you start doing the gate and you're like, they have some dependence on alcohol. My my like my like 10 year old brain says, but but is that is that true? Is that how that works? So, yes, you can't yeah. wait. But yes, you can be dependent on alcohol just to. I, I know that if you drink enough for long enough and then stop, it's real bad. I mean, that's a, a good signal that you're dependent on something like if you have withdrawals after you stop doing it, then, you know, you're dependent on it. So, yep. yes, that is we we learned a lot of incorrect information and that is an incorrect thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I also I also learned that smoking pot basically meant that you were going to be insane for the rest of your life or it's stupid shit like that. Dare was a colossal failure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's not we're going to focus on the bad things about alcohol, not Great. all the other <laughs> things. Um, uh, okay, this is uh, there's an interesting um, uh, kind of flip. Usually straight men tend to be the ones that have like in, in the straight world, in the ordinary world, men have the highest uh, alcohol dependency. In the mm. LGBT world, it is bisexual women. Really? So th- yeah. Yeah. So um that surprises the shit out of me. Right? It's it's uh Have, are they just replacing the calories from all the pie they're not eating? <laughs> are there like pie flavored drinks that they probably like hate raspberry drinks, right? Cuz that mm. is too close to raspberry pie. Mhm. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Um so they have to drink tequila. And that's why they have more alcohol dependency. They have to drink tequila instead. Um, uh, there are a lot of reasons. Just overall, minority s- stress. Uh, uh, gay bars are ingrained into our culture as a safe haven, a place we can go. We have less support systems. So those are some of the reasons that overall LGBT people um, are more likely to be dependent on alcohol or have problems with alcohol. But specific to the fact that bisexual women um, compared to straight men are more likely to be dependent on alcohol is the study, the influence of gender and sexual orientation on alcohol use and alcohol related problems by Dr. Tonda Hughes, Dr. Sharon will snack, hmm, will snack. Um, and <laughs> Boy, I will snack this and, year. That's for damn sure. And Lori Cantor, uh, the one non-doctor, sorry, Lori, um, <laughs> which came out in 2016 in the national Institute of alcohol abuse and alcoholism. Um, and they talked about 
the different gender roles, the differential adoption of gender roles. Straight men, the, the, the idea goes that straight men tend to be more dependent on alcohol because it's more socially acceptable. They want mm. to look superior. They want to look more masculine. Um, and straight women socially are, are less able to uh, drink because it would take away from their things that they're supposed to be doing, like household things, caretaking and all that. So they're mm. less socially, it's less socially acceptable. But in the LGBT community, those revolts, roles are reversed. Um, They're revolts. They're (laughs) revolts. So, you know, uh, obvi women, once we, it's again, goes to say like, once you start to eliminate some of the gender expectations from people, they are, they, they, the men don't feel the pressure to drink and be macho and shit. So, um, hmm. th- they said in the study that, uh, to help reduce alcohol problems, uh, one way is through quote, social change that produces less gender role differentiation and greater gender role flexibility. So it's interesting, like all the indirect benefits we get by loosening the gender role, the strict gender roles and what we expect out of genders, like, Hey, we could have less drinking problems, BT dubs. Like, we could make ordinary men drink less if we could get them to bottom more, is what I just heard you say. (laughs) Interestingly, to get them to bottom, they have to drink more. It's it's called the drinking paradox. (laughs) Yeah. Um, No, that's 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 really interesting. Do you do you associate alcohol and alcoholism with 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 macho ness with maleness? Because that's um, sort of what's wrapped up in that, right? Is that there's this, there's this, there's this gender component to the whole thing. Yeah, I, th- yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I just automatically thought of um, Breaking Bad, where like uh, Walter makes his kid like drink alcohol, like or, or like the man getting to like the kid getting to have a sip of his dad's beer like there. Yeah. I do see like that's, you know, I, I don't see depictions of the mom handing her daughter a beer and saying like, this is for you, sweetie. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I do think of it as being like a manly or masculine thing to, to drink and hold your liquor and whatever. I didn't do think you? about the whole like rite of passage thing. You're, you're, yeah. you're onto something there for sure. Like, yeah. Like- I'm, I have not been on to anyone recently, so so I got to find something else to be on. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> what do you do? You associate it? I do, and and uh, but, but that's that's I think largely just from working with my fraternity. Like I know that mm. fraternities have far more issues with alcohol than sororities do, and there's something going on, uh, w- whether whether that's nature or nurture or both or whatever. Like there's 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 a massive problem with alcohol that is associated with masculine activity and identity and we see that in the fraternity a lot yeah yeah um it's interesting because the study also talked about um some of the other possibilities that have to do with being lgbt like gay men might be more body image conscious so less might drink less than other people because um they they want to watch calories um they're like other interesting lgbt specific like kind of gender roles and things at play I mean, if you drink vodka soda, you gay, <laughs> right? I think the gay, and and then I specifically get it with a lemon, which I think mm-hmm. adds the like the dainty gay 
lemon on the vodka soda. There's no better metaphor than yeah. just, that's the gayest thing I can think of. What do you, yeah. oh yeah, well, do you, maybe we'll get into this with Davey Wavy, but like, how do you feel about your relationship to alcohol? I was thinking about this earlier, getting ready for the episode, and um, like, part of me being on a health kick this year, it was was like actually being afraid for myself when I realized that I had gotten fucking wasted every single day without fail in April. And that mm-hmm. is not an exaggeration. Like mm-hmm. I, I was at the very least tipsy every single day of April. And so then in May I was laying on the couch, feeling my big old belly and hung over as hell. And I was <laughs> like, man, I need to, I need to, I need to do something. Mm-hmm. I, like this pandemic is going to kill me and it's not going to be the virus. And so, um, I mean, that's, that's this year. That's more recent looking back at the past. I mean, I, I have phases of problem drinking for sure. Luckily my problematic behaviors are less destructive than a lot of people's. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I also don't seem to have had the same like life debilitating, addiction like that that i see see other people get trapped into so i don't know i don't know it, of the two of us though like i think that you have more publicly at least in your friend group gone through spats of like i'm not drinking period yeah. like i'm 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 done i'm taking this break so that that tells me that you're struggling with something or or aware of something well yeah i think what i've realized is that uh, and this is something i didn't um, read off in the list of why LGBT people are more likely to drink. It is um, uh, also associated with comorbidity. Um, it, things like depression and anxiety lead to behaviors like drinking. And actually, um, uh, trans people, uh, according to this is back to alcoholrehabguide.org, trans people more are more likely to deal with anxiety and depression issues with alcohol. Um, mm. which I didn't realize, but, um, it's interesting. Yeah. So I think for me, it's, it's less about like alcohol itself and more about like trying to fix mental health shit with things that are not good. Um, and yeah. I think, yeah, every now and then, like part of just taking a break from it is like almost proving to myself, like, I don't need this. Right. Like and and so yeah, I'll go for a week or I'll go for a month every now and then and, and not drink and just kind of feel it out yeah 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 one other thing that in the back to that study uh by those people whose names i don't want to read again um this is something interesting that like was not specifically about alcohol but i I just thought was really interesting um it, it, it basically talked about like there's very little information on non western alcohol issues and sexual minorities. That's what they call like, instead of LGBTQ, blah, blah, blah. They call them sexual minorities. Um, uh, there, there is just, isn't that much research on it. And unlike others where it's like, you know, just kind of left it there. They gave some, some information about research that I thought was really interesting. Um, they said, uh, until AIDS, there was almost no funding for sexual minority research. And then, after AIDS, after maybe around the eighties, uh, if you exclude HIV and AIDS research, there's still very little funding for, uh, sexual minority research. And they mentioned another study, Coulter and colleagues in 2014, sorry, colleagues, you don't get a name reviewed grants funded by the NIH, the U S from 1989 to 2011 
And they found that if you exclude HIV and AIDS research, 0.1% of the grants focused, were studies focused on sexual minorities. Hmm. That's hmm. like, even if I guessed how many would like, that's, I, that's even, that's far smaller than I would have even thought. And I know that we don't study, you know, like, sexual like, minorities. Like you, you set the bar very low in your mind and that's well below At that. Even. 1%? <laughs> Holy fucking shit balls. That's insane. And most of those studies then, uh, which uh, it's weird when we now start breaking apart 0.1% uh, get to, yeah. gets a little bit weird, but most of those focused on uh, men, sexual minority men, um, and only 13.5% on sexual minority women. And of course, it didn't even mention non-binary people, so I yeah. have to presume that's an even tinier uh, percentage. And so they said that, quote, researchers throughout the world who study sexual minority health must move beyond the focus on disease and deviance to also study, study strengths and resilience factors among sexual minorities, which I liked that, like, I don't know. There's just so much like, you just, yeah, it makes sense. Like there's research on all like so much shit, like, Hey, good news. You're not fucked up or like, Hey, mm. here's why everyone's so depressed. And like to have different kind of studies, I think would be, would be nice. Mm -hmm. And uh, focus on, you know, non-men and non-Western, like, uh, particularly cause we, we lack those especially. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should we sponsor a study? <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you want to study a non-Western, non-binary uh, group that has to do with strength and resilience, <laughs> then hit us up. All the academic researchers who listen to this. Yep. Bring it. That was, so that was a little Gata sojourn, but uh, nice alcohol. Alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. Drink it. I mean, don't or do whatever. I don't know. Um. So we're gonna take a break and. When we get back, we'll have Davey Wavy here with us to talk about sobriety. Yeah, a real-life person who doesn't drink. Yeah. So should we take a break? Let's take a break. Let's take a break. 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 Because I got to poop. <laughs> <laughs> this is the part where Mike and Kyle take a break. So are we back? We're back. <laughs> We're back. Uh, we are here with Davey Wavy. Uh, uh, again, I think now the the audience member that's most been on our show may be second to Ma Johnson. Yeah. You do not want to get in a fight with my mom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in good company. I like that. I'll take that. Then again, I I have been trying to like get some kind of beef started between us and anyone. And I think a fight between Davey Wavy and your mom would be perfect. I think that would be the best. So... Uh, she said she hates you and you're terrible. <laughs> yeah, fine. but it's like so not worse than anything that I've read about myself. Like, <laughs> she'd See, have to come up with something really creative to to piss me off. This is what happens to all my attempts at beefs. Everyone is just cool, <laughs> which is really <laughs> annoying. Um, okay, we are going to talk about alcohol and sobriety. And I think when I first learned this, I was surprised to hear that you don't drink. Yeah, and and never have. I think that's the piece that kind of like throws people for for a loop. Um, and my stories, I mean, it's pretty unique. Um, I even kind of like hesitate to use the word sober because that implies like a like recovery. Um, but uh, alcoholism runs in my family, and when I was 
probably like 14 years old, my grandfather, I'm the only like boy of like my generation. And my grandfather, who's pretty sexist, uh, took me aside and he was like, uh, he, he, who like flew in world war two, like, you know, lived quite a life also never drank. His father was an alcoholic and really abusive towards him. Um, he took me aside and he was like, you know, it'd mean a lot to me if you also didn't drink. Doesn't care about the girls. Like they're <laughs> like they, <laughs> my sister, my cousins, they're fine, whatever. But um, he asked me to promise him that I would never drink. And yeah, and I was like 14, so I hadn't yet. And it seemed like a really big deal to him. And he was a pretty good grandpa and never really asked much of me. Um, and so I said, yeah. And every time I would see him thereafter, he would like remind me of it. He'd be like, so you still don't drink, right? You still don't drink, right? And he has since passed away. And I feel like if I ever drank now, he would haunt me. He would like come back (laughs) and haunt me. (laughs) So it's really just out of fear. (laughs) I think it's it's super duper fascinating. uh, Like before the break, we were talking about how there's this masculine culture about alcohol and that there's the, like the rite of passage of the dad giving his son his first beer. And you've had like as polar opposite of that experience as possible. It's really cool. Well, I so I will say this. When I was like three or four years old, I remember having like a sip of my dad's like Coors Light or whatever it was that he was, whatever he was drinking. Um, so I have had a sip. Um, hmm. and so, okay, like, you can't officially claim that you've never in your life had a sip. You have to go back to when you were four years old. <laughs> when I was four years old, I had a sip of my dad's cores, and uh, but that but that was it. So I did have like a little bit of that moment. Um, you, but you're right, and then it was kind of reversed. But it's still like a um, like you said, there's like this sexist nature to like it's it's the men passing stuff down to the other men, and it's like. It goes against the drinking being passed down, but it's still the like the men passing something down to men about drinking. So it's like a weird opposite, but not. And and like he, that he didn't really care about my like sister. My like, there's probably like a fifty percent batting average for alcoholism in my family. <laughs> like, I think everyone would have been well suited to to take that pledge. Hmm. And and to your point earlier, you know, you're basically that like all gay men are essentially alcoholics i probably am too i just i just, like i would be if i drank you know like i just i'm an alcoholic that doesn't drink it's it's like so caked into my genes so that's yeah it's weird because that seems like a great thing to do to to ask you or like to guide you away from alcohol or to like but it also like seems that's like a big ask of a 14 year old to never drink and to it's weird because that feels like a lot of pressure in a re- I don't know, but it's, it, it, it is, but it isn't. Cause it's also just, I don't want you to drink alcohol. Okay. Like that's, that's actually nothing. Like when you go to a restaurant, just get an iced tea instead of water when you're 14 years old, like it's not, it's not a big deal. And I think because I never drank, like it doesn't really feel like I gave up that much. And I certainly, like in terms of calories, money that would have been spent on alcohol, bad decisions. Mm. Please, I make enough bad decisions <laughs> completely sober um, that I feel like it was probably a uh, I, for sure it was a net gain for me to not mm. to not drink. However, 
I'm also not like righteous about other people who do drink. Mm. It's just a very kind of personal decision. And the people who have had the biggest problem with me not drinking are usually people who have a drinking problem. We we had dinner in Palm Springs after the sex hotel. I was like, oh my God, if I get, if I get an alcoholic beverage, is that going to be like, is that out of step? Is that out of place? And that just like, my brain is all fucked up about like putting pressure on other people or anxiety or whatever. And would you totally have had that thought with someone was that just that was because i don't drink you, you right. thought you yeah. shouldn't drink yeah you, you you'd said earlier in the day i think or maybe something that i'd watched that you that you don't drink so i was like oh god oh god oh god oh god and, and somehow you pushed through it and ordered <laughs> yeah. that drink well, anyway i was, I, I was also <laughs> like and then my, a second uh, and the third <laughs> <laughs> but it was great um <laughs> what was i gonna ask you oh yeah so we think of alcohol as being this like entry level point for substances uh does that does that teetotalness about you extend beyond alcohol to m- marijuana other drugs no i just did a a, a bump before the before the great no, okay sure I'm yeah <laughs> well you know what's funny is that there is an irony in all this because um i worked all last week i worked yesterday i wanted to take some time off and then i was like ah oh, sunday this is great i'm gonna have the day off um i'm gonna take a gummy i'm gonna get totally stoned and like fucked up and then I looked at my calendar and I was like, oh, fuck, I have a podcast at, at 2 p.m. about sobriety. I can't, <laughs> I, can't, I can't be fucked up for the sobriety podcast. I think, what do they call it? California sober? It's like you don't drink, but you do do cannabis. Oh, no, I like that, though. Yeah. And I like I, I never promised my grandfather that I wouldn't get stoned. Um mm. <laughs> In my mind, it feels like they're different things. I mean, you guys could probably tell me more about this. Like, no, I do research on one thing at a time. Oh. <laughs> so, so you can't ask me about anything but alcohol. Is is alcohol more addictive than marijuana? That's a great question. Um, okay, so another thing I wanted to know <laughs> is, <laughs> it, no, I don't know. I think so. <laughs> I don't think like marijuana isn't. Um, addictive uh it's like psychologically addictive but it's not like addictive in the way that alcohol or other it does drugs feel like are. it's more of a lifestyle than drinking <laughs> is but that's that's just i think largely because alcohol is so mainstream it like everybody does it and it's not considered like there are no trappings of identity to it it's just what everybody does ha- um, have you guys ever are we allowed to ask or have you guys ever been stoned before Oh, yeah, you can ask and yes. Um, girl, this is Washington State. We've been fully recreationally legal for many years now and okay. we get stoned all the time. My pot store is amazing. It's like three blocks from here. You're like, I'm stoned right now. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Um, we did one episode high and I, I loved, I had a blast. I really enjoyed it, but I don't know if that was... No, it definitely was because I was high. Was, right. like, was it enjoyable for the listeners is the is the better question. You know, listeners don't let us know because I don't necessarily want it to know that. It is kind of a one-way one way yeah. conversation, right? Yeah. Yeah. Here's an hour of us giggling, everybody. Enjoy. <laughs> you just throw it into the void and see what happens. <laughs> um, okay. We were talking about like alcohol being so pervasive and, and it almost being sometimes an identity. There is like gay people are more likely to drink and bars uh, act as have often acted as a safe haven for gay people. So there's a cultural kind of connection to bars. So what's your experience going to gay bars and being around other gay people who are so used to drinking? Yeah, it's pretty horrible. And <laughs> I'll, I'll say it gets like worse the later in the night that it is. Mm. 
So like, you know, at, at like 7, 8 p.m., like it's not too bad, but by like 9, 10, 11, like it's pretty insufferable uh, <laughs> being sober in a gay bar. Um, and I, like part of me feels like I missed out on like an aspect of our culture, like an experience. And then the other part of me, like having witnessed like that debauchery <laughs> sober is like, yeah, like I think I'm okay to like not engage in that. Um, and just, yeah, it's, it's tricky. Like I think what I would enjoy doing had I not made the promise to my grandfather is like occasionally having like a glass of wine, like having a cocktail every now and then um, to use it as a, as a way to like, you know, enjoy company, enjoy the meal that I'm having. Um, What I'm glad I've never had the opportunity to do is fall on alcohol as a social, social crutch. Mm. Um, And you'll see that a lot where like, you know, guys go into some sort of event and they're uncomfortable or awkward and the alcohol kind of helps finesse, helps kind of like calm the nerves a little bit. I haven't had the opportunity to do that. So I have to sit with my awkwardness and, um, and process it and work through it, be present for it. I feel like obviously that's uncomfortable, but like long-term that's a little bit more beneficial to go through than to just kind of like run from it and be like, here, I'm just going to get drunk instead. I don't like when you call me out like that. I, we didn't, (laughs) this is really an intervention, Kyle. (laughs) Um, No, we talked about like how I kind of me and alcohol. And that's something I did not even think about. Like I absolutely, I, I, for kind of forgot about social anxiety for a while because I haven't had to like talk or interact with people for a while. And then I had to go into the doctor, like in a in-person physical appointment. And he like asked me my height and I like got, I was like, Oh God, how tall am I? And I said a different number than I usually said. Like I, it was just like this rush of like, Oh God, I hate this. I hate like talking to other people. So uncomfortable. So I like, I absolutely use alcohol to be like, I am so uncomfortable and I hate this so much. And I, I, yeah, it's, can I, can I ask you a question? How would your life look different if there wasn't alcohol in it? Um, man, I don't, how would it look different? I guess I would just not go places because then I wouldn't have anything to help me feel better about being there. Uh, no, I don't know. I, there are times when, I've drank more and drank less. And I definitely think a benefit, like a huge benefit is with depression. It's like alcohol temporarily makes it feel better, but then long-term makes it worse. Mm. So like, I don't know. I don't want to only give the bad, like there is something nice about like, totally. If I, like, if I was good at just like having a couple drinks, that'd be like great for my anxiety because then I like, I think that's when I'm at my best (laughs) and maybe that would help me learn and manage like anxiety, but it, you know, it, that's not how it works. Do, do you have trouble? Like if, if you're like two drinks in, like being like, Oh, like that was enough. Like for you, is it like all or nothing? Like you're, you're, you're all in or um, yeah, I, that's something I'm learning a little bit more about like how, so yeah, like I, I am definitely someone who like, I get to, I get past a certain point and then I'm like, Nope. Yeah. We're going at this hard. So, um, <laughs> Yeah. So I, I really, I think it's two drinks and that's where I'm like, that's what I've been like trying to aim for recently. I, that has, I, I say that after new year's where yeah. Mike and I got really Do you identify trashed. as an alcoholic? 
<laughs> no. Should I? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you looking at me like that? I'm looking at Mike. I'm I'm looking for a second opinion. Uh uh I love that question so much. Um Oh Should god, Kyle this is an intervention. An is <laughs> wow, I had no idea. I'm getting hot. <laughs> you need a drink? <laughs> <laughs> I definitely have a bad relationship with alcohol in the same way that I have a bad relationship with lots of things that are that I use as outlets for managing depression. And when I feel my my worst, it's hard for me to not to, to like I just want it to stop. So like alcohol is one of the ways that I do that. I want to make a little um, recommendation. Speaking of alcoholism, though, mm-hmm. uh, I the last guy that I dated um, was in AA, is in AA. Um, and I think at the time he was maybe a year and a half sober. Uh, and when you go to an AA meeting, which I've never been, but have heard plenty um, from him about the meetings, like it's a lot about sharing your story. It's opening up. It's being vulnerable. Um it's like a very supportive group of individuals kind of coming together for one another. And to be an AA, like you have to do a lot of work. There's a certain number of steps, obviously, that you have to complete. I don't know. Was it 12 steps, 10 steps? There's uh, 12 12 steps. 12 steps. Um, Look, shout out to the gays that are in AA because they they are fabulous partners to date because they can like in a heartbeat step into like vulnerability intimacy like they are very comfortable talking about themselves and their experience. Um, so a, a big recommendation for your listeners: <laughs> find yourself a man who's uh, who's in AA because uh, that was a really good experience. Hmm. So going back to you, Davey. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> I I want to hear more about the debauchery you talked about. Like, uh, you know, I I have some ideas of what you mean, but like at 10 p.m. at midnight, like what does it look like at a gay bar from your perspective? Yeah, it's it's tough because um you see people who you care about making like really bad decisions. Like it starts to get into territory like that. Um whether it's um, like transportation decisions, like someone wanting to drive home or maybe connecting with someone who they shouldn't like you just, it like just, like what does that mean? <laughs> like a, like an ugly person, an uggo, <laughs> an ugly person, like no more someone like, Oh, like this is my like X is X. And like, I know I really shouldn't, but go, 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 go. Mm. I'm going to do it anyway. Like just yeah. getting really messy and, and, sloppy and then the conversations are just like you know like like this conversation wouldn't happen drunk in a bar you know like there's not a quality it's just like i love you so much (laughs) 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 but isn't that nice to hear (laughs) it's nice like and and what's the point of even having a conversation because the person like isn't going to remember it tomorrow anyway. Mm. So it just becomes like a really inefficient use of one's time. <laughs> so, <laughs> and you're like screaming at the top of your lungs in a bar with loud music and like, you know, people falling all over each other. And I'm like, for what? Like I could be sleeping right now and <laughs> like getting up early to go work out. <laughs> I think you kind of touched on this. Have you ever f- felt judgment from other gay people for not drinking? 
Yeah, there is a judgment because I think they take my decision not to drink personally. Hmm. And it's like, oh, no, this is a decision that like I made for myself. It doesn't have anything to do with you. But I think um, people feel like a projection of like or like a judgment that like me not drinking is a judgment of their decision to drink, which hmm. isn't the case. Uh, I went on a hiking tour of uh, Tuscany in in Italy a couple years ago, and we basically walked from like vineyard to vineyard, and uh, each lunch dinner was at like a different beautiful vineyard. Like there was lots of 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 wine served. I'll say like that is an example of something that I think I would enjoy participating in, like having a bowl of pasta in Italy with like some a beautiful glass of of wine, like. That appeals to me, but the scenario that that you're describing, like in the bar with like you know sloppy drunk gays, mm-hmm. um, not 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 so much. Mm-hmm. What about uh, like uh, dating, uh, like going on dates? Uh, does that come up, or has that ever been a deal breaker? Oh, dates. Well, that implies even like, ugh, do you remember that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny when I go on dates because I don't drink, the other person usually doesn't drink either. I think it's a little bit of a, of a, of a buzzkill. When you're, when you're on a first date with someone, do you, do you, do you drink or do you not drink? Is that like a common practice I don't, for either of you? Well, now that I self-identify as an alcoholic, I maybe should <laughs> <laughs> not. Yeah, no, I think it, for me, it's the same idea of like, uh, I, I, I hate, especially first dates. I hate first dates so much. I like am racked with anxiety and uh, discomfort. And, and so like, yes, alcohol is a good starting point for me. And is it like a couple drinks or do you just get drunk on the first date? Um, I am so like uh, almost submissive in this way that it's whatever they do. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm that person that's like, they're like, do you want another one? And then I look at the other person and I just wait <laughs> and, then, and then I'll just do whatever they do. So, I mean, on, on dates, usually it's, it's, uh, like a reasonable amount, like a few drinks. Okay. Yeah. You want to, you want to like get them in slowly. You don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I always say I want to trick them into liking me so that before they know that I have a problem. So <laughs> one of the many ways i trick people mike what's what's your relationship with alcohol oh pretty terrible actually but um (laughs) you're awfully quiet oh well yeah i just just taking it all in you know you you too you too (laughs) um i mean i'm a drinker and i i have been for a really long time i was in a fraternity in college and that was basically you know i think i think they would have kicked us out if we weren't at least a little bit a drinker but i come from a, a family of people for whom that's a normal you know weekend especially thing to do or when you get home from work have a beer while you watch the news that kind of stuff um i had a problem this year like i i drank like every day in april and i think a lot of people did the pandemic got rolling and then it became clear that this was going to be kind of a longer term thing and a lot of people dealt with that in different ways and i think the bottle was one that a lot of people reached for um and yeah, I, so I so I, I basically stopped and I'm back to it now, but not like drinking heavy, but like if I decide to have a few beverages while we record the show or like a New Year's Eve or whatever, then I do. But um, my my day to day is pretty sober these days and I definitely feel a lot better. So you have to like actively keep yourself in check, though, like you have to 
like like think about well, it a little bit not now like i did mm-hmm. like i like i did like in like in may making the decision to not drink was like a decision that had to be continuously made over time um and now i've reached and who knows when the switch happened now it feels like i make the decision to drink instead like the the default has been reset to don't care if that makes sense i don't know yeah I have a question for you guys. What is it like to have sex drunk? Well, I have a question for you. What's it like to have sex sober? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) I was just going to say, I was like, I don't think I've ever had sex with a drunk person. And I was like, oh, but that's probably good because (laughs) (laughs) you've never raped anyone. That's ideal. (laughs) Um, uh, Again, for me, like it's, this is something where I think like I'm realizing more like in 2020 than I ever did before, like how extreme my social anxiety is and how much alcohol like helps with that specifically. Mm-hmm. So like anxiety over sex, like I, drinking and then having sex, like is I, I think on a physical level, like relaxes my butt. some. I think I can like take it easier and then I'm better at like doing all those things that I'm bad at when I'm sober, like communicating things I want and need or like letting go or, um, do you think you really are better at those things like communicating? Or do you think you think that you're better at communicating when you're drunk? Man, I don't know. Let me, I don't know. I mean, I, cause I've communicated with drunk people and, and like, it doesn't, I'm never like, Oh wow. You're such a better communicator. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I, I mean, it's probably that thing of like, if I've had a few drinks, then I probably am better at being, more open and direct and then yeah like beyond that yeah it's there's the two beer rule for pool right that like like (laughs) if you're playing if you're playing pool that uh that two beers is the exact right amount to play a good game because you you have you get out of your head you your inhibitions are lowered and you're and you're you're less stressed and less anxious about things but you're not so fucked up that you can't see straight and and you know messes up your game and I I think that that's like socially that ends up being also sort of true that I think people are better communicators. They're more approachable and they connect better, but there's like diminishing returns and right. it, it's, it's pretty fast. So, like, so you're distinguishing between being like kind of buzzed and being drunk. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. And that is, that is a important distinction. I just know for me, like the, the bringing it back to sex, the best sex <laughs> for me, I, I think the most important ingredient in good sex would be that the partner that I'm with is present in like Mm -hmm. what we're doing. My perception of a drunk person differentiating from a buzz person, I guess, is that they wouldn't be particularly (laughs) present (laughs) with, with you Hmm. for the sex. And so that to me seems like, like it just, I don't know. It just seems like it would be less exciting. Hmm. And I, I think that's that's exactly why my answer to your question from before would be that uh, I, I think drunk sex is awful. I don't I don't like it. And I mean, I barely have fun having sex as it is, much less than in a <laughs> totally impaired, disconnected state. So drunk, I don't like it at all and avoid it. It usually goes poorly. But buzzed, like, is better. Mm-hmm. I communicate better and I'm a little braver with who I talk to. And um, I, I, I feel more present in a weird way, but drunk sex. No. Mm-mm. 
And so, and I guess like the challenge for all of us would be then to, to like take that, that bravery that you feel when you're buzzed, like mm-hmm. that courage, those communication skills to figure out how to tap into those like intrinsically without having to, to try another. I mean, that's obviously beyond the purview of like <laughs> this podcast. And, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but but wouldn't that be the idea like that sounds like the idea i'm like well shit like take that if that's like the better version of yourself like how can you how can you be that without alcohol yeah absolutely yeah i i I absolutely think that alcohol is often i often use it as a means to an end so yeah absolutely if i could learn how to manage social anxiety i don't know how you do that but yeah this is a little bit an awkward segue but like i have this whole (laughs) personal philosophy that people are more themselves when they are drunk like whoever a person is when they are drunk, that's the real them. Believe them. And so if you see somebody really change dr- drastically, dramatically when, when they're inebriated, it, that's who they're trying to hide all the time wow. when they're sober. That that person is just under the surface. Oh, there are a lot of sloppy queens out there then. <laughs> is is that true of also being high? Um I like, don't know. for example, when I when I take an edible like i am such a joyful happy like giddy person mm-hmm. and and i'm like oh like okay like is that is that like my true self like is that or mm-hmm. or is that just how everyone is when they're high <laughs> I <don't mean> <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't necessarily agree with mike i think we've talked about this before but i i don't think that's necessarily like you are your authentic self when drunk like I think you, you, you are emboldened to like your, your, uh, your kind of walls are, are dropped down, but like, that doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean that's who you are. Hmm. Who are you when you're drunk? Um, I'm eloquent. I'm beautiful. I don't know. <laughs> uh, you leave bruises. <laughs> I do. I do start to punch Mike when I'm drunk. <gasps> Big time. You're like, like a little violent when you're drunk. I guess yeah, he like so. shoves me while he talks. Like it pushes me into things while we're walking down the sidewalk. Like, you... <laughs> wow, that is fun. I, you're right. I should start to. I should tap into that when I'm sober. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, th- so this is this is the catalyst for my. This is like a little bit of a sad story, but this is a catalyst for my grandfather not drinking. So I mentioned his dad was an alcoholic. So this had to be like the nineteen like nineteen thirty or something. And they were living in Rhode Island, I think in like a tenement house on the second floor. Hmm. And I think my so so my great grandfather, I guess that's what it was, was um uh like hitting my great grandmother and my grandfather as a young boy tried to intervene and stop it. Hmm. And so my great grandfather took out his gun and like hit him with like the the I don't even know what's called the handle the butt what is it the butt the butt of the gun yeah okay the butt of the gun and uh, my grandfather was like oh my god he's gonna fucking kill me and Mm. so he ran down the hallway like through their sunroom or porch like through the screen of the second floor and like out onto the ground like fell a story out onto the ground and just like kept running. And he always pointed to that as like the day that he decided he would never um, pick up a drink. And this is a man who like was in, he was a bombardier in World War II. Like he did 30 bombing runs, like bullets through the side of the plane. Mm. I mean, if there's ever an opportunity where you're like, I think I'm going to have a little drink. <laughs> <laughs> like we think this pandemic is bad. Like this bitch was being shot at like over Nazi Germany. 
And he was like, no, nah, yeah, not, not, not going to drink. So it was this like, it, it was like central to his character. It was like really, really important to him, which is why like when he passed it on to me, I also was like, yeah, okay, this is something I can do. Yeah. It's not that big of a deal to me, but it is to him. And like I said, I don't want his ghost to haunt me. So, <laughs> but what about your dad? You you said your dad does drink. Like, so I mean, it's interesting yeah. that it would like skip the generation like that. Yeah, and I think that might have been part of it because my dad is an alcoholic, and so I think my mm. grandfather might have been like, "Oh fuck, like this is in our genes. Like mm. this gene pool ain't good." <laughs> like so, maybe he wasn't as harsh with your dad, and then saw that totally, and was like, "Okay, well." Like I didn't stop it for my son, but at least maybe I can intervene with my grandson. Um, and I am like, I do have, I'm very intense in a lot of ways and feel like I do have an addictive um, like personality. My relationship with other things I think could be like going to the gym. I'm like addicted to like working out, not a bad addiction to have, but I could see that carrying over to say alcohol and Kyle, like you're saying, like once you start like just being like all in and so. Uh, yeah, I remember yeah. when I suggested to you, like if you like skip like a week of working out and like you couldn't fathom that idea of like not working out. And then the pandemic hit. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, yeah. so uh, what's it? I don't know. You can tell me how much you want to talk about. Tell me uh, about your dad then and and what it's like being with him or growing up with him. Yeah. He's very much a functioning alcoholic. And he, a lot of times when people are, there's all these red flags. There's actually this, this list that you can access online. And it's like, if you answer like two of these questions, then you might be an alcoholic. If you answer three of these questions as yes, you're definitely an alcoholic. Have you seen this list before? I'm sure my, I don't know which one my therapist sends me like a million different lists. I'm sure I've taken something. (laughs) It it might actually, I mean, this is your podcast, but it might actually be fun to, it's like 10 questions to to read those so that people could, including yourself could like kind of do a little self-assessment. My dad is, is a functioning alcoholic and he'll say like, he'll be like, Oh, I only had like two drinks today, but he's drinking like whiskey and like, (laughs) you know, like a glass of it <laughs> and like, and topping it off. Right. Um, and in addition to AA, there's, there's Al-Anon, which is for like family of, of, of alcoholics. And one of the things that they teach you, which I think is really frustrating for a lot of people that go, they think they're going to learn the skill set of like, Oh, this is how I fix my dad. This is how mm-hmm. I save my dad. And what they actually teach you is like that you can't do those things. They teach you a skill set for like managing to cope with an alcoholic in your life um, because ultimately, ultimately like my dad would have to make that decision to, um, to, to, to want to make a change in his life. And, you know, and he's 67 and hasn't, and I don't think that he will. Um, and you know, it kind of, it kind of is what it is. What's the hardest part about that? Um, I think it's just like watching someone kind of like that you care about that you love. Um, like, I feel like in a lot of ways he's kind of drinking himself to death and um, knowing that you're kind of helpless to to stop it. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. Hmm. I, I found, I found the AA questionnaire by the way. Oh, we hit, hit us. Uh, so, so these are the, the, the 20 questions of Alcoholics Anonymous and, um, and if, so here, here they are, I'll just read them really quick. Do you lose time from work due to drinking? 
is drinking making your home life unhappy? Do you drink because you are shy with other people? Is drinking affecting your reputation? Have you ever felt remorse after drinking? Have you gotten to financial difficulties from drinking? Do you turn to lower companions and an inferior environment when drinking? Does your drinking make you careless of your family's welfare? Has your ambition decreased since drinking? Do you crave a drink at a definitive time of the day? Do you want to drink the next morning? Does drinking cause you to have difficulty sleeping? Has your efficiency decreased since drinking? Is drinking jeopardizing your job or business? Do you drink to escape from worries or trouble? Do you ever drink alone? Do you ever have a complete loss of memory as a result of drinking? Has your physician ever treated you for drinking? Do you drink to build up your self-confidence? Have you ever been to a hospital or institution as a result of drinking? If you answered yes to one of these questions, there's a definite warning that you may be an alcoholic. If you answered yes to any two, you are probably an alcoholic. If you answered yes to three or more, you are definitely an alcoholic. Damn. Because like on the like build up your social, there were like two questions about like building up your confidence. So that's me right there. I mean, that thing says I'm an alcoholic. It doesn't just say it says you're definitely an alcoholic. It says I'm def- that's right. <laughs> it says I'm definitely an alcoholic. Definitely an alcoholic. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. What Something I wanted to ask about is that we do like on this podcast, Mike and I talk about drinking in a lighthearted way or a way that like kind of goes, you know, plays into the norms of, oh, everyone drinks or let's get fucked up or that kind of stuff. And that can't like, are we, are we contributing to this, like the same idea in gay culture that everyone should be drinking? Like, I'm just trying to think of how, like if we are playing a role in encouraging or perpetuating drinking. Yeah. I I mean, my opinion on that is just that like drinking itself is neutral. You know, it's, it's, it's like a, um, it's how you use it. It's your relationship with it is like where it's like anything like sex, like sex itself is, is neutral and you can have a really healthy, wonderful relationship with sex, or it can be totally destructive and you can be using it in a way that harms yourself and others. Um, it's like any aspect of, of life. And for me, drinking kind of falls into that category. So like talking about drinking, promoting drinking, like I I don't, like there's plenty of people who can exist in the world in a very healthy way with alcohol. Uh, I just think it's, I mean, I guess what you're asking is really like, but by making it this like centerpiece. Yeah. Or just the way, like we, you know, we don't talk about it. Like let's all responsibly drink together. (laughs) Like, you know, like there's a different way to talk about it that would be, uh, uh, you know, what you're saying of like, it is a neutral thing that we all can manage ourselves. You know, we don't talk about it with that level of nuance. I mean, we had an episode where we did the century club on the air. That was maybe (laughs) not our best moment in terms of modeling good behavior. What's the century club. That's a shot of beer per minute for 100 minutes in a row. Every minute on the minute. It ends up being like, I I forget. It's like, it's like eight or nine beers, I think in like less than two hours. Yeah. Yeah, it is something that that I mean, if I could have my way, like it, it seems to me that gay events are almost like the drinking is the centerpiece of it. Like, mm-hmm. what is Brent brunch without mimosas, right? Like, if you're going to a cocktail party, like it's just the alcohol is is so 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 central. Um, and there's sponsored n- by Absolute. <laughs> are they really a sponsor? 
no, not for us. But oh, okay. if, if if they want to be, I'm down. Yeah, I was gonna say, girl, take that money. <laughs> Ray Rose manufacturers. Take that clearly... money, honey. <laughs> I just wish there was a little bit more like space for 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 drinking not being so central, or for folks, you know, like myself, or or, or people who um, don't want to get fucked up every Sunday, you know, by by 2 p.m. So th- that's like a little frustrating, but like, you know, it, I'm 37 years old. I've had to navigate this for, for, you know, like almost 20 years. And like, it's not like it, it's screaming out into the void. Like it's not gonna, it's not changing. It's mm-hmm. not like, let's be real, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think part of like, I've been learning a lot about inherent, like both external and inherent, like assumptions and everything and, and not think like, I I definitely think I don't often think about the people that are sober in a lot of different ways. And and so that's one more group that I'm trying to think more about. So I don't know if I've done it successfully, like model the right behavior, but you know, something new that I'm thinking about. A lot of the crew that we, so when we do film shoots for, for Himeros, um, the, the shoots are alcohol and substance free, like including marijuana. Like there's, it's, an issue of liability, you know, like for legal reasons, um, it's an issue around consent. If people are using substances, they can't consent to the sex scenes that we're filming. Um, and it also helps keep people like present and focused. And one of the things that I've realized is whether it's models or crew that we're working with, there's quite a few people who are sober, like often in recovery who are like grateful to be in an environment where alcohol isn't so front and so center. Um, and, and like, if you're recovering from addiction and like, it, I don't know, I just think it, it's wise to be mindful of, of like those folks and, and, um, kind of what they're experiencing and yeah. And what they're yeah. going through. And just to clarify, you were referring to himros.tv, the number one purveyor of gay erotica worldwide. <laughs> that is correct. Yes. <laughs> okay. Great. <laughs> oh God. Any, any last passing parting thoughts on sobriety oh my god i feel like this was such a downer oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's you know, kind of like, how we roll yeah like this is this is uh, yeah I don't, good, I don't know what good things do you have to say about alcoholism <laughs> 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 no i think i th- i think it is a an important thing to to talk about in this serious way and and we for one i i'm almost glad that we're talking about it at least in one episode because we don't talk it we talk about it in such a lighthearted kind of throwaway kind of way uh, of ignoring some of these deeper issues that i almost feel like at least doing one episode about the seriousness of it seriousness of it is is helpful it's yeah. really difficult to talk about alcoholism i like any the relationship we have like uh, it's just it's very like tapping into the shadow and it's like a complicated conversation to have but i suspect it's one of those things like the more you talk about it the more it creates space for it and and the easier it becomes and there's aa chapters like if people really do feel like they have um you know problem or or want support there are AA communities all over. I live in Palm Springs and there's fucking like amazing AA uh, groups out here. So they're everywhere. I think it's, it's important too for 
visibility. I mean, you're a successful, attractive gay man that doesn't drink, and it, it, people out there don't have to feel alone in that. If they feel ostracized by the gay community, they at, at least know that there's other people out there that are that are living the same life, and uh, I think that's important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not an it's not a necessity. Like being gay, it, it's not. Um, you don't need to get drunk all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with that, should we do some shots and take a break? I think so. <laughs> I need a drink after this. I think today's the day. First day. Pepe's coming back from the dead to haunt me. <laughs> Let's take a break. Let's take a break. This is the part where Mike and Kyle take a break. So are we back? We're back. We're back. We are going to do our gayest and straightest. We're going to do our gayest and straightest. But first, Davey Wavy, where can people find you and your stuff and what you're up to? Well, I would say you could find me on himroast.tv. We actually have a special URL, right? Himroast.tv forward slash gayish. Yeah. For listeners. That's the best place to find me. Or you can just Google me and find my YouTube shit. And there's plenty, plenty there. Perfect. Well, our website is gayishpodcast.com. All of our social media is at gayishpodcast. Our hotline, you can send us text messages or leave us voicemails is 5855-GAYISH. That's 585-542-9474. Standard rate supply. Our email is gayishpodcast at gmail.com. And our physical mailing address is post office box 19882, Seattle, Washington, 98109. Um, I don't have any programming notes or anything. Just gayest is straightest. Great. Kyle. Me. Do it. Oh, oh, okay. Um, my straightest is my current fridge because uh, straight dudes <laughs> t- stereotypically will have empty fridges with not like only have frozen meals and nothing else. And I think I have spaghetti. But anyway, so the the lack of any kind of like shopping or or groceries is my straightest. Yeah, for sure. Uh, my gayest moment was brought to me by my dad, who apparently now is like a, a regular listener of the podcast. He texted and said, uh, oh, my dad, my dad called Benda La Creme a bitch. He said, did that <laughs> bitch just call me a dick dad? <laughs> and like, he, he said it in like, even over text, it read like that. So he was, uh, um, the, the way he said that was like perfect for drag Queens. Um, and it why, was, why did you try to get Davy Wavy to fight my mom? We clearly need Ben Delacreme and your dad <gasps> to have a kumite of some kind. That's like, true. Dad, so your dad you, like listens to you talking about like getting fucked and like being like, Oh my God, that, that's a boundary, huh? I don't know which episodes he picks or how far through he gets but like this one was at least in the middle of the episode so like i don't know i don't i i don't know okay it's your life it's his it's his (laughs) life i don't i don't know he knows what's up now he knows what's (laughs) like in the episode so i guess i don't know i don't know I don't know why, what, but what are you going to do? Like, like shut the internet internet off for your dad. Like you can't stop it. It's out there in the universe. Can we like block s- single IP addresses? You could say, dad, here's a boundary that I want. Like, don't fucking listen to me. Talk <laughs> about <laughs> like, <laughs> getting bukkakied. <laughs> dad, I've never been bukkakied. Hmm. Wink, wink, wink! Yeah. If you're lying, yeah, Kyle. you can't see Stop the video it. feed. Stop He's getting bukkakied right now. <laughs> Someone else go. Well, the straightest thing about me this week. Speaking of sobriety, um, after the New Year's Eve live stream, uh, there was 
empty rosé bottles and, <laughs> and white claw uh, uh, around. And I just said, fuck it. I left I left all of that out. I didn't clean up for two days. It was like a frat guy's apartment just like, <laughs> wading through cans to get to the garbage. Um, and uh, the, the gayest thing about me this week um, w- was uh, like... Yeah, I took a shirtless selfie and I put it on our Discord. Mm. Enjoy, everybody, because I was like, I'm going to try to love myself more. Oh, and... Are you guys starting at OnlyFans? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for the Patreon <laughs> members. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I will pay people not to sign up for that. Um, I thought the straightest thing was going to be. Do you have Tiamat in the bottom corner of your screen, Mike? Yeah, sort of. Yeah, that's mm. confusing. Yeah, that's. I thought that was like for it's a D and D group. That... It's got seven heads instead of five. But, oh, yeah. gotcha. Teamet, Teamet's son. They're all the same color. But yeah. Anyway, yeah. That's 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 <laughs> the gay thing about me. Just like brazen, like thirst trap. Please <laughs> validate me. Shirtless selfie. Baby wavy. How about you? Well, I think the the straightest thing about me apparently is that this glass is filled with water and not alcohol for the theme <laughs> of today's podcast. But the gay theme is as soon as we hang up, I'm going to get fucked up and take <laughs> and take an edible. <laughs> so, oh, and my um, it's funny. I just as I was saying that my pure for men just arrived at the front door, so that's my new gayest thing. Um, I oh. do have a, a twenty question list of if you're addicted to weed. Do you want to go through that right now, or <laughs> we might have to? Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, well, that is it. Thank you, Davey Wavy, for being on the show yet again. We really appreciate it. Every time you hear is fun. Thanks Even talking me. about this. <laughs> yeah. And thank you to all the sober people in the gay community for putting up with all of my personal bullshit. Um. Super Gap Bridgers, Kyle. Yeah. Uh, thank you to our Super Gap Bridgers, C and Hazen, Jerome York, Chris, uh, Catchatorians, and new one, I think, uh, Tipsy McStumbles. Great. Uh, that's it. This has been Gayish from the C and Hazen studio. I'm Mike Johnson. I'm Kyle Getz. Until next week, be butch, be fabulous, be you. See you next week. Bye.